Okay, so we're going to continue with Malbish Arumim, thanking God who clothes the bare or the naked. And last week, um, we spoke about the beginning, sort of the first topic. We did tie it back to the beginning of getting dressed. That was in Gan Eden. Thank you so much. Which was in Gan Eden, that after the sin in Gan Eden, uh, man and woman covered themselves a little. They realized that they, there was an element now of shame to their bodies. Their body was not work, being in perfect harmony with their soul as it should be. Um, but furthermore, Hashem clothed the man and his wife with garments or cloaks, garments of skins and dressed them. And we talked a little bit about this as the underlying principle of what we call tzniyas, modesty, at least in dress, which is that there are two main aspects to being dressed, both of which are indicated in the psukim there. I'm just going to close the door. I'll close it. I'll close it. first aspect of clothing is described as clothes made of skins. In other words, clothing that will, that will, uh, that covers our skin. And the second aspect is that it was, and, and sorry, let me do it again. Clothes made of skins, meaning that they feel good, or clothing to cover the skin. And those two aspects, one of which is covered and one of which is to cover shame, meaning it's covered in both directions, in the positive and the negative. Negative covered in the sense of there is something that should be hidden, therefore we'll cover it. So that there's an aspect of respect there, but it's respect coming from, an ac- from the side of if we wouldn't cover it, it would be a lack of respect. Mm-hmm. And then there's respect in the sense of only the positive, meaning it glorifies the body. It gives honor to the body, the clothing. It's something that, like Rashi said, may be made of rabbit's fur, right? Something that feels very nice. And we know that we have this aspect in our own clothing as well, mm-hmm. that we don't only wear clothes to stay warm or to be covered for modesty. We also are dressing up. We're demonstrating some sort of covered to ourselves as people in the way that we dress whether that gets taken to a strange extreme with um, designer, you know, brand. <laughs> I had, <laughs> it's not maybe worth sharing, I'm not sure. I was in a store and there was a woman there. You know how sometimes people have writing across the, bo- the seat of their pants? Yes. So this disturbs me. <laughs> because kind of like what we were saying, you know, the main aspect of Tznias is with clothing, show people what you want them to look at. So when you put words, it means read the words, and read the words means put your eyes over here, and if you right. put the words on the seat of the pants, it's like a strange place. But in this case, the word was the name of the company, which was pink. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's just too much information. That's not, you know, like the idea of how we're glorifying our body, right? We're both covering a shame, and we're also trying to give an honor to ourselves as human beings. Sorry if it's not driven because if it clothes, the, let's say there's a hole or root 
I don't know. There's there's such an idea. Now, I mean, nowadays, some clothes are torn and ripped on purpose. Yeah. So I don't know that we could say that halakhically someone shouldn't wear that. Well, it's not very respectable. But, not, if it's not but if it's not meant to be that way, uh-huh. you know, like if this would have like a big rip in it. So I, there's a side to say not. I, I, I'm not a posik, I'm not a rabbi. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't tell you what the halacha really is. Right. We could only discuss what aspects of it that I know which is helpful sometimes to know how to ask the question, mm-hmm. know what to ask. So there's an idea in the Talmud that a Talmud Chacham who goes out with a stain on his clothing um, is chayev. Like, he's held responsible for that. It's a very, very serious thing. Even the stain? A stain. I don't think it even considers yeah. <laughs> going out with a hole in your clothes. Yeah, right? So a stain on the clothing, if a Talmud Chacham goes out like that, it's kind of been off show. Like technically, I don't know. It, a base didn't. It's not. He's not going to have the death penalty in a base didn't for it. Mm-hmm. But there's an aspect to which he he forfeits his life. Now, I think I, I don't. I've never understood why that is. I suspect it has something to do with what we're learning about here. Mm-hmm. I mean, the aspect of what is the fundamental purpose of clothing, mm-hmm. which is to cover the animal of ourselves. Rav Schwab said it, it gives us a constant sort of physical reminder that we always have this underneath subconscious awareness, this proprioceptive awareness that our animal parts of our body are covered. Rabbi Tat said that's why we don't have to cover our hands and our face, because these are not animalistic. Um, <coughs> there's probably an association there. But essentially, someone will look at a Talmud Chacham and say, and we're, we're going to come to something like this in Mesilas Yasharim, and they'll say, that's what a godly person looks like. Mm-hmm. Is this what Torah looks like? Mm-hmm. And we all know, like, we really do look at our Rabbonim, and we think, like, that's, you know, and if they do something wrong, either we're going to think, either we're going to judge them much more harshly than regular people, or we're going to think that's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say which one is <clears> worse. <throat> Probably thinking it's the right thing to do is even worse, right? Now, that's a very big burden for somebody who happens to be the Talmud Chacham, right? They have to be aware that people will look at them and think that which means you can't have a false modesty. Now, that ends up applying to us as well. Why? Because the average person in the street today, compared to them, we're the Talmidei Chachamim, right? And, and we know it's true. I'm not, right? It's not just me saying this. You know that it's true. You know that if you're out there and somebody sees you, whether they're Jewish or not, and they see that you're a religious person, they assume you know. You know the Torah. You know God's word. You know what God's will is in this world. Never mind that we feel like, what's going on? I don't understand, mm-hmm. Hashem. Please help me understand. The fact is, the same way that we look at our Rabbanim, the people in the street look at any Orthodox Jew today. They don't distinguish. They don't say, well, there's a lot of Jews, but there's only certain people who are really knowledgeable. Yeah, they assume you must be knowledgeable, which means that we have an obligation when we go out in the street not to be looking stained and sloppy and... So I've heard Rabbi Goldberg say in his Thursday shear, and I, I don't have the notes in front of me, I hate to misquote, so I hope I'm not saying incorrectly what he said. I think he was quoting um, probably Rav Henech Leibowitz. I think he said it was, it was the Rosh Hashiv and Chavetz Chaim used to say, a Jew should always be dressed conservatively and elegantly. That, that's mm. the principle. It's Kavada Adam. It's the respect of a person 
but realizing that what we're, what we're showing into the world, not only as Jews, a human being, in our body, what we're showing into the world is the image of God in our behavior. So the way we recognize that is by thinking, how do, we ref how do we feel when we see somebody who we know is a really righteous or great person in Torah? We do figure that when they speak, the words that they say, in some way, are, are bringing God, the knowledge of God into the world, right? When I, when I quote something that Rabbi Goldberg said, and maybe he said in the name of his rabbi, who might have said in the name of his, right? So I understand that the words that I'm hearing are informing me. They're bringing godliness into the world through those words. That's how I will understand God, mm -hmm. through the words of the Talmud Chacham, right? That's I turn to somebody. The truth is, though, all of us are Tzalem Elohim. We're all in the image of God. And it's meant to be that when you look at a person, you see some reflection of the image of God into the world. God hides himself to a great extent in this world, and it's through our actions and our deeds and our presence in the world, our tefillah is a big part of it, is how we help channel God's blessing into the world. That really is a job for all of us, not only for like some special elite cast of priests, right? We're all really in this together, and therefore when we say like we cover the parts of our body that are animal, and the parts that we should... It says the malachim, when Adam was created, the malachim were confused. They didn't understand, is, is this an emanation of God? Like, it was such godliness. We don't even understand what it means. We only live in a post-sin world where our body and our soul are not really perfectly synchronized. Mm -hmm. Right? So we got to cover and we have to remind and whatever. But really, our job in the world is to bring godliness and be a channel and vehicle for Hashem's blessing, His will, His chesed into the world. That's why it's such an honor. If we do chesed for somebody, Hashem could provide for them. If I give tzedakah, Hashem could provide for that poor person in another way. He could also find $50 in the street. could also win a lottery. The next person he goes to collect from could give him more. He could have his job work out. It doesn't have to be my money, right? So it's arrogant if I think that I'm the one who helped him. But if I'm the one who gets to give the tzedakah, I'm blessed. Because I got to be the one who was the channel for Hashem's chesed into the world. Hashem's providing for this person. Aren't I lucky to be the delivery person? You know, if I could be Hashem's UPS girl <laughs> for chesed and, and, and bracha into the world, that's a tremendous thing. You could send it through someone else. It doesn't need me to do that. It's lucky for me. I'm fortunate if I could do it. So the other side of that is I have to be careful how I look. You know, if the UPS guy came to your door all covered with stains, it wouldn't make his company look so good. It's true, right? I mean, really, if they would knock on the door and they would look like slobs, people would be like, okay, FedEx. You know, like, that's just creepy. That's weird. That's, they're not on, he's not on top of the situation. He's not organized. He, he doesn't have any sense of respect for himself. Then how much respect is he going to have for me or my packages or my belongings? It's a whole, there's a whole image that goes along with it. And we don't, it's a, it's a false modesty. It's difficult for us to believe because we don't have such great self-esteem nowadays. So it's difficult for us to say. By self-esteem, I mean I have a value. I'm not a rabbi. People look at me and they're going to think, like, if I have a stain, people are going to think, like, oh, you know, there's something wrong in God's world off kilter. But I have to be realistic. When I go out in the street, if I go to the mall, the Israelis who are selling things in the kiosks, whether in L.A. or anywhere else in the world, 
because they are everywhere. This is their ticket out, right? They say, Shalom Aleichem, good Shabbos, Manishma, you know, mm-hmm. because they want to connect to another Jew. And they could tell, Israelis know I'm religious, you know, yeah. like that's obvious by how I dress, right? So they're reaching out to connect to something. So, and if I would walk down the street with a ripped elbow, you know, sometimes what could you do? You tear it on a, on a fence as you're walking. What do you can do? You can't do anything until you get home. And I so, guess we cannot use it for cleaning either. For cleaning? Uh-huh. Why not? We can. Cut up the clothes and use them for something else. Uh-huh. We can do it. Seems to me it's, it's I don't know. It's an interesting question. Is it a disrespect to the clothing <laughs> to bring them down? Because, it's very oh, interesting. Wow, yeah. I don't, I don't, I never thought of it. Mostly because I'm not on a level to have that. It's a sensitivity, what you just said. It's, mm-hmm. it's probably true. I don't know halakhically if it's true. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I don't know if it's better that we continue to use something mm-hmm. for a purpose, and if that's called also serving the respect of human beings, then it's a continuation mm-hmm. of the service of the garment. Mm-hmm. Or, as you say, you know, once, once I realize this is how I'm dressing, if I can keep that kind of awareness in how I'm dressing, then my clothing have become elevated. You're right, and the clothing are elevated. So if the clothing are elevated, then maybe you're not going to feel comfortable yes. on your hands and knees, you know, yeah, scrubbing know. something out of the floor. It's, I don't know. I think that's a very it's a sen- it's a very sensitive question. It's interesting. I will um, make a note and try and find out something about that. It's a it's a good question. What you had? Oh yeah, I was like <laughs> Sorry, that was just a colloquialism. It's not even such a fancy word for me to use. You know, <laughs> if you go looking messy. Um. Also, isn't it that when you, um, God forbid, when you have a parent that's lost, that's when you you have do tear, tear clothes, clothing, yeah, right. So isn't that like also a sign of you can see the mourning? connection there. Yeah. It's a sign of mourning, but you see it's a sign of mourning because it has to do with the loss of the body. Right. It it's going again. It's, when a person passes away, they've lost the body that's clothing the soul. And there is a reflection oh. of that in our tearing our clothing. We're being mishtatev a little bit in that. Like oh, we're right. participating okay. to some okay. extent with, um, with the loss. Right? It was the, I think it was that the shla maybe who said that the, the clothing clothes the body, the body clothes the, the soul. soul. Right? Um, I'll see if I can ask Rabbi Goldberg these questions. What the, what the halacha is. Okay. That was technically the review, even though we went forward a bit. Okay, so now what I want to do is move into the next section here, which is, again, we're thanking Hashem for clothing the unclothed, clothing the naked. And there's the element of chesed. So this comes out, uh, the Gemara brings it, Medrash brings this. What I'm quoting here is the Medrash from the Yalkut Shimoni. Hashem made for man and his wife clothing of skins. Rabbi Yishmael said, um, sorry, Rav and Shmuel. Rav says that it's the clothing that comes from skins, and Shmuel says that it's clothing that the skin benefits from. And those are those two aspects. We'll see that it comes up again and again. Two ways of thinking about clothing, both to cover the body and also to give honor to the person as a whole. Sorry, one more time. Rav says it's the clothing that... Rav says it's something that comes of skins. 
that was like what Rashi brought. And the other one, which in this case will be Shmuel, says that it's that which the skin has a benefit, like that it's protected with it. Okay. Darash Rav Simloi. It's always fascinated me, like these kind of things. Darash. So he gave a drasha, right? You, uh, it's like a deeper meaning now to this idea. But it's Rav Simloi. A simla is a garment. So I don't really understand. Like it's, it's really his name. It's not. <laughs> it's oh. not a joke, right? But it's sort of like when you have a doctor. There's there's an obstetrician in Israel whose name is Simcha Yagel. Yagel. Yagel, which also means he will rejoice. And Simcha is like happiness. And I was like, wow. Like, first of all, his parents must have been extremely happy when he was born, which is beautiful. And it's also just like a happy name for a doctor who delivers babies. It's like a nice thing, you know? And there's a really good surgeon whose name is Ptachia Reisman. So Ptachia means Hashem will open. And Reisman means a person who cuts things or cuts open. Rice is Yiddish. It's like, wow, that's an interesting name. You know, he's a very good surgeon. Okay, Darish Rav Simlai. So Rav Simlai said, Torah Trilasa Gumilos Chasadim, Vesofa Gumilos Chasadim. You may or may not have heard this idea before. The Torah begins with Chasid and ends with Chasid. Okay, this is here. This is where we learn it from. Dirtiv. So, how do we know that the Torah ends with Chasid? It begins with Chasid because Hashem gave them garments and dressed them and ends with chesed, and that Hashem buried Moshe in Gai. Amarav chama barchanina. Hashem What does it mean when the Torah commands us that it's a positive mitzvah to walk after God? Is it possible for a person to walk after the Shekhinah? And can you follow the Shekhinah around? This doesn't seem like, you know, even if you would have a, a sense or a perception of Hashem Shekhinah, it's not a person walking around that you could just trail them, right? So what does it mean when the Torah tells us, follow God? It means you should follow in God's ways, in his midos. So what's the midos of Hashem? Hashem hil bisharumim. Hashem clothes the naked. That's this bracha. Mal bisharumim. Hashem clothes the naked. As it says, the uh, clothing of skins, and he clothed them, and he dressed them. So you should also dress the naked. Hashem visits the sick, as it says that Hashem visited Hashem. Uh, Hashem visited Avraham and Elone Mamre. You should also visit the sick. Hashem comforts mourners, as it says after Avraham died that Hashem blessed Yitzchak his son. Also, you should comfort mourners. Hakadosh Baruch Hu buries the dead. As it says, Hashem buried Mo- Moshe and Gai. You should also bury the dead. All right. Now the Torah Tamima points out. So what's the principle here? The Torah begins with Chesed, and ends with Chesed. And what is this Mida of Chesed that's described over here? He's saying what we really can see from this is a, a kind of a definition of Chesed. This is different, in a way from the usual definitions of chesed. What is the definition of chesed? That the body of a person should not be in a shameful state. Chesed is taking care of a human body. It shouldn't be ashamed. And therefore, a person, well, here's an example like what you said. 
A person should not be mekel. A person should not treat lightly the covet of his own body. For example, by going around with torn clothes. <laughs> Again, that's not telling you the halacha, <clears throat> but it's telling you the practice. And also, a person, yachus, he should, he should see that in other people and wish to cover their nakedness as well, meaning it should be the same principle. So I'll come back to that. As the verse says in Yeshaya, if you see somebody unclothed, you should cover him. And therefore, when it says you should follow in Hashem's ways, and we learn this out from the fact that Hashem dressed the naked, we see that in all of these cases, what it really is, of the, the chesed that Hashem is demonstrating for us that we're supposed to emulate is gemilas chasadim, that the body of a person should not be left unclothed or shamed, not during his life and not after his life. So the examples that were brought here were clothing the naked, visiting the sick. You know, the main thing of visiting the sick in the halacha is visiting them and making sure that they have the care that they need, making sure that the room is clean, that there's fresh air, that they have something to eat, they have something to drink, that their body has been cleaned. They have a cover. That's the main thing is to take care of their body, make sure they're okay, that they're cared for. They have what they need. Comforting mourners and burying the dead, which is, again, taking care of the person's body, making sure that it's not shamed, that it's treated with honor and respect. That, it's a whole different kind of definition of chesed. Mm. Think about, like, what am I doing with chesed? Now, once it gets, if that's the definition, then I can't, I'm not really able to distinguish between chesed for my body or someone else's body. What do you mean? If my body is wearing torn clothes, I have to take care of it. And if someone else's body is wearing torn oh, clothes, okay. I have to take care of it. Right? That's, that's very obligating. Mm -hmm. It is very obligating. Right? But it's also a way, again, in a, in a culture where it can be difficult for us to have a sense of personal respect because we're taught to play ourselves down, then to realize that sometimes it's the opposite. I could see that I need to respect other people, but I might have trouble respecting myself. Mm -hmm. It's not really my respect. What is it? If you think about it, what is the respect of the body? It's a respect of the image of God. That God created this amazing body. He created it to clothe our soul. Somehow this combination of body and soul is supposed to bring the image of God into the world. That's what I'm respecting. It's a way of following the path of Hashem. It's following the mitos of Hashem. So let me give you a different way of thinking about chesed. But you'll see that it really comes from this same source. So Rabbi Orlowick talks about this chus, this quality called chus. Chus, you hear it in like chus v'rachem alinu, mm -hmm. right? You'll hear that sometimes in davening. Um, it means have mercy on us. But what's the difference between chus and rachem then? Right? It's a kind of having pity on someone. It, it was used here in this example in the Torah to Mima. La chus... Rabbi Orlowick says, is when you look at someone else and you see yourself in them. That's lachus. Chutz is not also outside? That's chutz. Oh, I wouldn't chutz. be surprised if it's related. This is chus with a samech at oh, the end. Oh, okay. 
which means even Svardim say chus. It's not like chut or something. It's chus with a samech. There's no whiteboard today. Can't write it on the board. Um, Lachus is to look at someone else and see in them yourself. Now that's something we sometimes have to work on because I think we've spoken about this before, especially when someone's in trouble, often our instinct is to wish to disassociate ourselves from them, not only physically, but not to put ourselves in the same category. Think, well, but, but they smoke, mm -hmm. right? Or but they live in Inglewood. So that's why that happened. Or but they, right, it's something else. And really what we're supposed to be doing is realizing how, no, no, that could be me too. You know, when we hear something happens in France, yeah. that's us. That's not, well, that's them because they live in France and it's such an anti-Semitic country. That doesn't help. Chus is when you look at someone else, let's say in trouble, and you see yourself in them. You see that that, that is you. That could be you. Okay, chesed is the behavior that comes from chus. Right? Chesed is how you behave. It's what you do for somebody when, when you look at them, you see that that is really you or that could be you. Taking that definition from Rabbi Orlowick and coming back to what we were just talking about, you start to see this is the midah of Hashem, is gemilus chasadim, and the demonstration, the examples that are brought of Hashem's chesed. Hashem does a lot of chesed for us. Those four examples, I, you can't even say that scratches the surface of it. What they do is they draw an image for us. When Hashem does chesed for us, what does it mean chesed? Chesed is when you look at someone and you see yourself in them. Now, we could never say that about Hashem if not for the fact that he wrote, he said in the Torah, even though I don't know what, what does it mean that I'm created in the image of God? I really don't know exactly what that means. Hashem has no image himself. But, but he did say in the Torah that he will create man in his image, in his, after his, as a reflection of him in some way. I, I don't understand that. It's spiritual, it's <coughs> some combination. But when he sees that in us, then the response is chesed. And this, what we see, how does that play out in fact? Right, we can't make this up. This is what Hashem tells us, is take care that a person's body shouldn't be treated shamefully. When you look at a person, when you look at another person, you should see that that's yourself and you should see that that's a reflection of God in yourself or in them and treat it accordingly. So in other words, Hashem looked at the man and, and it all looks at every man and sees, quote unquote, that's not exactly probably what it says, sees his image in them and therefore felt that it's not and right for them to be not close and close them. And, and that's, a, that's, so and that that's called chesed. chesed. And does all chesed that we have in the Torah emanates from that? That we see the other person? Like my experience has been so far, it's not vast experience, but let's say 20 years or so, is that when Rabbi Orlowick gives a definition, you can count on it to apply in all situations. That's been my, my experience. And when he provides a definition of something, mm -hmm. it's very thought out. 
and it's based on something. So, yes, chesed is behavior that results from chus, from that, when you see yourself in someone else. Now, there's another side to that, which means that I have to know that when God looks at me, there's something of himself that he sees in me. There's something he likes to see when he looks at me. That idea, mm -hmm. even though maybe at first, depending, you know, how Americanized we are, we, we shrink away at first, like, what? How could you say such a thing? Uh, you, who do you think you are, right? Right, right? That idea is the foundation of healthy, healthy self-esteem. Not thinking I'm wonderful because I'm better than anybody, because mm -hmm. by the way, that's being human, so that doesn't make me better than anybody. Not thinking I'm so wonderful because of the amazing things I've done, which, where did I get the strength to do them? who said they would be successful. You know how many things they try and do that don't work out, right? It's knowing I have value just because God made me. He created me. And he created me in a way that has value to him. That's all I really need to know as a foundation. And that, that is in the morning when we say, Elokai neshama shenosata bi tehorahi. And that's paired with the bracha of Asher Yatsa. Mm -hmm. You created me with a body and you gave me a soul that's pure, and, and it just is. So I have this value, no matter what situation I'm in, no matter how depressed I've gotten, or how much I despair of ever achieving anything, or becoming anything, or I feel like I've been backsliding, and I'm nothing like what I should have been. Really, there's no, there's no bottom, there's a safety net. There's always a safety net of neshama shenosata bitahorahi, that when God looks at me, do I deserve that I should be created? No, I didn't do it. I, it just is. Hashem created every person in his image. This is what Hashem likes, likes when he looks at us. It's something I could count on no matter how bad I've been. Hopefully, I will also produce other things that he would like to see in me. But even when I feel like I haven't, mm -hmm. <laughs> when I've messed up, and I have that, you know, we can, you, when a person feels depressed, they feel like there's nothing worthwhile inside themselves. That if they look at themselves, yeah. or anyone else who looks at themselves, will be disgusted, or see something with no value at all. Life not worth living. It's mm -hmm. terrible, mm -hmm. right? But, but if you always have a safety net of knowing, I'm, here I am. This is what the Torah says about, about the fact that I am alive that I exist at all. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's not worthless. There's a value. No matter how rock bottom I get, I don't sink into a pit of complete despair. Because I always know, I'm in the image of God. And when he looks at me, he does see that in me. So if I don't see that in me, maybe I forgot. Could be I forgot. Mm -hmm. I have another question. I'm sorry. So yeah. when you do, like, you know, sometimes you do chesed as a, as a, um, uh, like, autopilot. Right. You know? You know what I mean? Like, somebody asks you to do so. You, you don't think about a chesed. It's like, of course, you know, like, it's all done. So should you be at that moment? Should you take a moment to, like, think about it and say? It never hurts to take a moment to think before <laughs> you do things. So there's, no, there's never going to be a no on that one. Right? Sometimes the other person feels better, the fact that it was automatic for you. It was no big deal. I'll tell you a lesson I learned from a friend. I have a friend with a lot of needs, and she's very much on her own. Uh -huh. 
meaning she was she was married. She's no longer married, so she has no spouse. She has no children. Her parents died and her brother died, and that was all the family she had. The rest of the family was killed in the Holocaust. She does have friends, but she doesn't have family, mm -hmm. you know, which is sort of the equivalent of knowing you always have a soul and you belong to God, <laughs> you know, like somehow when you have family, you know that at least there's always family, even if your friends hate you, right? And you have to eat worms and, you know, but sorry, that's a, you know, that's all. <laughs> that wasn't just, right, worms are not kosher. Okay, so she taught me something. I was, I was doing a chesed for somebody else, um, sending food to a family that like didn't have food. I don't know if we even, I'm sure it happens also here, but like certainly in Israel, like no, there was no food, period. You know, like when you open the cupboards and the fridge, it's just empty. Um, so I sent food and it was anonymous. Mm -hmm. This particular friend kind of figured it out, but I, I didn't admit it to her because I didn't want it to get back. Um, and she said, you know what makes the difference is that you added extras. You didn't just send what people need. Mm. Meaning instead of sending only bread and cheese and milk and cereal and whatever, well, I don't remember, whatever it was, sending also some treats for the kids sending also something that's just an extra, I don't know, salami. You know, like something that's just above and beyond and more. I think one time we sent flags for Simcha's Torah, right? Okay. She said, that is what makes all the difference because it means that when you get it, you don't feel like the person did it because they felt obligated to do chesed. They did it because they wanted to. Now, the reason this lesson was powerful is because it was from her, a person who has to receive so much. She does. Mm -hmm. She's had to be on the receiving end a lot. She's had health problems, and she's had to receive a lot. She knows what it means to be the recipient of chesed, mm -hmm. and the difference it makes when you feel like the person did it because they wanted to. They were happy to. They didn't feel burdened by you. Right? Now, when you, when, the person, when you look at someone and you're like, oh, Nebuch, but like you're distant, like they're some other kind of creature. They're this, the poor person, and you're helping this other poor person over there. Right? Whether it's poor in money or the sick people, we're going to help the sick. We're going to visit. Right? They become, I don't know, like your project, like so that you could become righteous. We call it chesed, but it's, it's, it's the opposite. It's a way of making ourselves in the other category. Right. We're the givers, not the takers, right? But that's not real chesed. Mm -hmm. Real chesed is you look at the person and you feel like your situations could be interchangeable. Mm -hmm. That's me. That's just as much me, right? That person is as much of an image of God as I am. Therefore, I want to do something. I want to do. I don't want them to feel that way. I don't want them to be like that. Just as much as I wouldn't want it for myself, I don't want it for them. So I'm really happy to be able to relieve some of that difficulty. Not because I'm, I don't know, like noblesse oblige, you know, like I'll, I'm noble and I will scatter coins <laughs> out into the street for people to scramble and trample each other trying to pick them up, mm -hmm. right? That's like the opposite. You see how that's the opposite. One is demeaning 
and one is elevating. I elevate the other person. In the chesed that we do for people, we can elevate the other person and make them feel, right, like it's more important to give someone a smile than to give them the money in their yeah. tzedakah. It's the, when you feel like someone's helping because they want to, it's the difference between feeling like they're separated from you and feeling like they're in there with you. And when someone comes in with you, it's not that they brought themselves down. They bring you up to where mm -hmm. they are. It's a whole different world you can bring somebody into. We, all of us, we all need help sometimes. It doesn't have to be financial. Everybody has right, their times right. when they just need some help. And when the other person is so happy, I have a neighbor like this, just has this way of helping that's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going anyway. I'm so happy to just pick up a few more things. Like, she has this way of helping out that just makes you feel like you did her a favor. <laughs> and such, like, yeah. like, you really did her a favor. She's so happy. It's such a nice feeling. You don't feel at all like you were a burden to her. It's an amazing thing. It's, and I think we're supposed to be emulating this. <laughs> I think this is the message. Okay, so this leads us to an interesting point that I think without this background would be harder to understand, but I think we can get some insight into it. And this is from Masilas Yasharim in the Midah of Precious. Precious is separating oneself, holding back from things, or uh, not indulging the physical. So, in, in concluding this idea, <laughs> Masilas Yasharim says, he says there's a kind of precious that's really bad, precious hara, which is a way that certain, he says that non-Jews have precious, by which it seems to me what he's referring to is asceticism. So if, you, if you've ever had conversations, like Christians think a saint is someone who maybe hurts his skin, hurts his body, fasts a lot, rolls mm -hmm. in the snow, um, doesn't wear shoes, right? Doesn't bathe even. That would be like a holy person. This is the image of a Christian holy person. <clears throat> and Mr. Shasam said, this is wrong. This is bad. This is wicked. I mean, it's rot. It's bad. This is really wrong. It's not enough that they don't take from the world what they don't require, which was the media he was just talking about. He said, he's talking about not indulging your body, not taking more than you need. But he's saying there's a kind, you can take that to an extreme that's bad. But they are actually withholding from themselves that which they do require. If a person needs whatever it is, 1,500 calories a day or 1,800 calories a day for their body to function, and they are intentionally starving themselves of it, right? Then yiyasu gufam, they are causing their body to suffer with strange sufferings that Hashem does not desire. You, it's interesting because the idea that you need to hold back, I think for most of us the problem is not that we, that we cause our bodies to suffer, at least intentionally. We do cause them to suffer by overindulging them maybe, right? Our problem is that we overindulge. We, we, we buy things that are too expensive or too much of, eat too much or too often or too fancy or too luxurious. We need a fancier kind of a car. We need a, fa like, to indulge what, right? So we need more precious. We need to learn to say, no, I don't really need that. He says, that's fine. Don't take from the world what you don't need. But do take from the world what you do need. That's what it's for. Adarabah, 
wise people say, Asur la'adam atmo. It's forbidden for a person to afflict himself. And about tzedakah, the Gemara Yerushalmi says, Komi litova eno no Whoever needs to take and doesn't take, he's a murderer. Tzedakah. Now, really, elsewhere in halacha, we know the person should never take tzedakah. A person should try and find what they need by working. Right? Stop whatever you're doing, work, do what you can to get the money you require. But what if a person is actually hungry and actually has no food? And somebody says to them, here's $5. Go get yourself something to eat. And they say, no, 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 thank you. I, right? I can't take charity. It's a murderer. Why? Because in the same way that if you saw a hungry person and you didn't offer them the money, you don't give them a meal. I see somebody who's really hungry. What do I have to do? I have to feed them. I have to give them food. Well, guess what? If I'm the one who's the hungry one, I gotta give me food. If I see somebody who, who's unclothed, I have to give them clothing to wear. I have to dress them. I have to emulate God. What if I'm the one who's unclothed? I have to dress myself. Mm -hmm. You see what's happened over here? It's that, <laughs> yes, I have to emulate God and treat others in a certain way. I gotta treat myself that way too. I'm not permitted to just say, well, for me, who cares? Because that's not my kavod that I'm honoring over here. When a person's looking for their own glory and their own kavod and their own ego, that looks like overindulgence, right? But when a person's body needs to function and it can't function, and I hold back from it, I'm killing it. This is God's honor on the line, just like in any other human being suffering. It's Hashem's honor that's suffering, that I have to try and alleviate the suffering. And that's true of me as well. I have to try and alleviate that pain. Okay? It's not permitted. <clears throat> also, the Gemara in Tainus says, when it says Hashem created man as a nefesh chaya, a living soul, we can also read that verse to say, lenefesh chaya. God is saying, you have a soul that I put into you, chaya, ha Keep it alive. Give it vitality. Give it life. Take care of it. Chachamim have also said, whoever sits and fasts, whose body is not able to fast, is a sinner. Now we know that really a person could do tshuva through fasting. Mm -hmm. right? Very righteous people sometimes fast more often than we do, not only on six days a year. There's other days. But the Gemara warns, if a person is causing undue suffering to themselves, through that fasting, the body is not strong enough to tolerate the fasting, then it's a sin to fast. By the way, that's true on a fast day. If you've ever known someone who has to eat on Yom Kippur, who has to, it's terrible. They don't want to eat. And there are people who would endanger their lives and not eat, because how could you eat on Yom Kippur? And the Gemara says, if you fast and you're endangering your life, you're a sinner. Who, whose life are you taking here? Mm -hmm. Could you, would, would you think you would be allowed to do that to somebody else? Not allowed to do it to yourself either. Mm. Hillel said, Gomel chased. A person who, take, who does kindness for his own soul is a person of chesed. And now that's the opposite of what you would think, right? You'd think like, well, if you take care of other people, you're chesedic. If you take care of yourself, you're selfish. Saying, no, a person could be doing chesed even to himself. It's a pasuk and mishle. What was Hillel referring to? Breakfast, eating in the morning. 
You do chesed when you feed yourself in the morning. Because that's a time when it would be really easy to deny it to yourself, right? How hungry are you first thing? And well, it depends on the person. But like a lot of times, you know, you run off in the morning and you're in a hurry. You'll eat later. You don't get too hungry till 11 or 12 anyway, right? He says, this is chesed, eating in the morning. And you want to know another example of the same principle that came out with Hillel? Hillel used to wash his hands and face in honor of God. This was kavod to Hashem, not just in honor. To give honor to Hashem, he washed his hands and face. Why? Because if you have a, well, Jewish people wouldn't, but Hillel lives already much later, right? So let's say there's a statue of the king in town. Or you have a bust. This is, I wouldn't recommend it halakhically. You have all kinds of other issues about images of people. But, you know, you have a bust of uh, some, some great general, right, on display. And, you know, the pigeons stop by and leave their offerings, and you have little dust and rain and dirt. If you leave it like that, that's not, that's not, doesn't show that you really give honor to the person. Mm -hmm. Now, you know that the statue isn't the person. Obviously, if right. the person were standing there, you would run and help him clean up. But, but the fact that there's even an, a representation of that great general or that king uh -huh. means that if you care about them or you honor them, you'll keep it clean. You'll clean it up. Hillel used to wash himself having learned from that idea. He learned from the Greek and Roman Western civilization culture around him that when you respect the physical representation of somebody, you clean them. Uh -huh. You clean the representation. So he cleaned his body. That's covered for God. Right? <clears throat> it's a very different way of thinking about it. Yeah. And I, I, like I said, for myself, it was helpful when I thought about how do I see the people that I respect. I found that helpful. And then I look and I see how do people really treat us in the street. It's really true, right? You look, people assume, Jewish person. Basically, the, the rule of thumb nowadays, I didn't make this up. I heard this from my teachers. The rule of thumb nowadays is when it comes to halachos of what a Talmud Chacham can do out in the street, they more or less apply to all of us nowadays. Because society has gotten to such a low level of education as a whole that anybody who looks from is considered a Talmud Chacham in their eyes. That's sad. Any man with a yarmulke on his head is a rabbi out in the street. And it's true. It's a little scary. <laughs> it's a little scary because we think we could behave, you know, like anything, because who are we anyway? But the truth is, right, any of us who are from outside, people treat us like rabbis. That, that's what they, not, not, not because they have such great respect, but that's what they see. How could they distinguish? What tools would they have to distinguish? Okay. So, so here we have haklal ha'amiti. So this is the true principle, then, of holding oneself back from luxuries. Anything that a person doesn't require of this world, of physicality, it's appropriate to try and keep yourself away from it. But whatever is required, for whatever reason, meaning maybe it's not such a lofty reason that you need, you, you really need clothes that are, that are nicer. You just, I, I don't mean nicer because you always have to look respectable. But this really matters to you. This type of food, you have to eat fancier foods. You can't live on just, I don't know, grits or something. 
Like you, you really need more than that. Whatever the reason is that you need it. Saying doesn't matter. We're not talking about whether that reason is good or bad. Ezetan. Kivan shumukrachlo, because it he does require it, in huporish mimenu, harizekhote. If he withholds himself from that which he actually requires, he's he's sinning. Hote means it's misplaced. <laughs> this is misplaced righteousness. Well, our image of a holy, saintly person is not a Christian image of a holy, saintly person. It's not somebody who tries to destroy his body in order to let his soul shine through. We don't, we don't destroy our bodies to let our soul shine. We harness our bodies to let our soul shine. We use them. That's what we have it for. Our souls will shine for eternity. While we have a body, that's the main tool our soul has to be able to act with the world. Right? We talked about like a spacesuit. Our soul can't just walk around in Olam Haza and get stuff done. The body is the main tool that it's got to be able to do things, to treat it well, to treat it well. And, and when the soul is doing things in this world, using the body, this is the implementation of God's, this is the deliverance of God's bracha into the world. This is what he created it for. So it's like we're the tool in his hand. It's not our energy. It's not our strength, right? If I'm holding a pen or a fork and write, if I'm holding a pen and I'm writing, so is the, is the pen get all the credit for the words that come on the page and for moving yeah. itself? Of course not. It's my energy. When Hashem brings bracha into the world, am I the one who gets all the credit if it comes through me? No. But don't I want to be the one who's used? Don't I want to be an extension of God into the world? What else am I here for? Isn't that the most amazing thing? You want, I want to be connected to God? Let him use me as his tool for good. That, that's, this is connection. Then I'll be in his hand, right? I'm an extension of his power. That's what Refers says. His power flows through you then. It's not your energy. It's his energy flowing through you. And then you have nothing to be afraid of. You have nothing. It's his will, his energy, his power. That's a good place to be. Very good place to be.